Open the Word of God with me this morning to Isaiah 56. If you read the preparatory email last evening, you know where I'm going. I've changed my mind as the text. We'll get to another text in a moment, but I've changed my mind a little on what we want to look at this morning as we open our day of worship. We have driven down various streets and highways to get here to come into the temple of the living God. I'm glad that it looks the way it does, and it's as cheap and as poor and poverty-stricken as it is, so that we can understand that our brethren in the past have worshipped in catacombs under the city of Rome and in other places, and they did so still in the temple of God, because a temple is the body of people that have come together, the living stones of saved saints. And so we have one of those today. Isaiah 56 is Isaiah warning the lazy pastors of his generation. Isaiah 56 at verse 9. All ye beasts of the field, come to devour. Yea, all ye beasts in the forest. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs, which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, every one for his gain, from his quarter. Come ye, say they, I will fetch wine, and we will fill ourselves with strong drink. And tomorrow shall be as this day, and much more abundant. And amen. The last four verses of Isaiah 56. This is Isaiah warning Israel about their lazy pastors, calling them dogs here. When you get a dog and you intend for it to be a watchdog, and that was the reason people had dogs in the past. They didn't get dogs in the past for the reason that people get dogs today, quite the same, but they got them for watchdogs. And that's why the the prophets and pastors are called watchmen first in uh, verse... They're called watchmen in verse 10, and then they're called dogs in verse 10. And so we're talking about watchdogs. A watchdog, because of its superior sense of hearing and scent and sometimes sight, because there are dogs that hunt by scent and there are dogs that hunt by sight, they're able to spot an intruder and so they bark. And so the master of his home can be in bed instead of a fire alarm going off because a fire's in your house They hear the dog barking, which tells them there's an intruder on the property. And pastors are supposed to announce about coming danger or trouble, in this case, judgment by the Babylonians coming to destroy Israel. But they weren't barking because they were enjoying life too much. They were preaching a prosperity gospel that doesn't warn anyone. And that is the most popular gospel in America today, is the prosperity gospel of Joel Osteen and others. There's never any warning. Joel has never warned in a single sermon at any time against sin. He only wants to tell you that you can be prosperous and live in a multi-million dollar house like he does and fly one of his multi-million dollar jets because God wants all of you to be winners and champions. That's his whole message. And so that's what this message is very similar to that right here. They're not barking and warning. There's lots of dogs barking today. Rush Limbaugh is a barking dog, but he's barking at things that God doesn't care about. He's barking at things that don't impact your life. 
He's barking at things you can't change. He's barking about things that don't matter. And there are so many more like him. Carl McIntyre was the barking dog when I grew up with his 20th century Reformation hour that I would hear before going to school in the morning, the Presbyterian of Collingswood, New Jersey, barking about communists in our government. It didn't matter if there were communists in our government from God's perspective because there's no barking in the New Testament against civil government. Ever. Nope. Not a single sentence of barking. And so we've got to recognize that some watchdogs will bark because a squirrel's in a tree. Some watchdogs will bark because there's a kitten, a neighbor kitten, has come near a fence. They'll bark because there's a butterfly in the yard. But they're barking for the wrong things. Let's come over to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, remind ourselves that Jesus sent his apostles into the world, the greatest watchdogs the world has ever seen. And I mean them no disrespect by calling them that, but they barked. They went and barked, and that's what we're going to be looking at this day. We're going to see them barking about the problem of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We're going to see them barking with reproof against the world about sin, the world's lack of righteousness and coming judgment. And then those same apostles told us the solution to all three issues. Matthew chapter 28, the last three verses. And Jesus came and spake unto them, that is the eleven apostles, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, all power is given unto me. He had risen from the dead and was about to ascend into heaven. When he ascended into heaven, he was going to cast the devil out. Revelation chapter 12, John chapter 12, verses 31 to 33. And he's sending them to teach. So we have teach in verse 19, and we have teach in verse 20. And in between is baptism. That teaching is barking, barking about God's will for their lives and barking against their sin and barking about their lack of righteousness and barking about judgment to come. And those that heard it, heard the warning, were baptized. And then there was further teaching to be given, and that is to take them beyond the fundamentals of the faith. So now I turn you to Hebrews chapter 6, which is the passage I intended to start with this morning. But I hope that the background will help you fully appreciate it. Hebrews chapter 6 is going to tell us the elementary, fundamental, preliminary points of doctrine made by the apostles. And then once a person is baptized, there's supposed to be progression. And here in Hebrews, we're at a division in the book, a division where Paul has to rebuke the Hebrews because they're not ready for, for meat. They're not ready for good doctrine because they're still babes and they still need to be fed milk. And so the last four verses of chapter 5 are his rebuke of them for not having grown up to where he could teach them some more complex issues. Now he's going to go ahead and teach some more complex things in the following chapters, like the priesthood of Melchizedek, which he'll bring up in chapter 6 and he'll explain thoroughly in chapter 7 
like a brand new covenant in chapter 8, like the complete overthrow of all the ceremonial rituals of the Old Testament that had been in place for 1,500 years, they were overthrown in chapter 9. And so we have these things coming, but let me go to Hebrews 6 in the first two verses. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, this is what Jesus told his apostles to preach the elementary facts of truth to get men to baptism. Principles, basics. Therefore, leaving. Paul says we've got to go past this kind of stuff to get to better things. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Not laying again the foundation, because these are foundational aspects of truth, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Aha! I like the little lists that are given to us in the Bible, and this is one of the little lists. What were the barking dogs of the New Testament supposed to bark about? We're told right here. Right. What did Jesus tell his apostles to go into all the world and preach first, before baptism? The things right here. Repentance. What do you repent from? Sin. Repentance from dead works. What dead works is the Apostle Paul talking about? The Jewish works of trying to keep the law of Moses in order to secure righteousness. And then he ends with judgment, but it's eternal judgment. Those are fundamental aspects of what's supposed to be preached in pulpits. This is what men are supposed to bark about. And then we're supposed to advance. But today, because we're in John 16, verses 8 through 11, Jesus told his apostles, when you are full of the Holy Ghost, when you are full of the Holy Ghost, the emphasis of your ministries will be to bark to reprove the world for sin, their lack of righteousness, and judgment. And I hope you can see that right here. Amen. And that's what we shall bark about today. Because we will take what Jesus taught us in John 16, explaining it by the rest of the New Testament especially, and see that sin, righteousness, and judgment are three great problems that the world faces and they rush on without any attention to them whatsoever. Rush, Carl McIntyre, 60 minutes, no one deals with these three things. Sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. Somebody needs to be barking the truth. Amen. And we need to be living it as well. Right. Let us pray. Holy Father, Blessed God, we thank Thee in Thy gracious, superabundant kindness. You have sent barking dogs to us Gentiles. Heavenly Father, we know that Isaiah's warning about the pastors, prophets, and teachers, and priests in Israel was less than 1% of the earth's population, the smallest of all nations, by your own measurement. To them, to that nation, you had sent your scriptures, you had sent your man Moses, and you had sent your prophets. 
We were aliens, strangers from the covenants of promise. We were outcasts. We were Gentile heathen. We were pagan idolaters. But we thank thee. In due time, you did send the Lord Jesus Christ, who preached only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But he then ordained his apostles and commanded them to begin preaching in Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the world, like the Piedmont of the Carolinas. We thank thee, Lord of glory, for sending your barking dogs, for sending your apostles into all the world to preach the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to warn men about sin, to warn them and reprove them and upbraid them and censure them and condemn them for their lack of righteousness and to warn them of coming judgment. Heavenly Father, we see the Apostle Paul in Acts 24 sitting with Felix, the governor. And Felix trembled at what Paul presented to him. Paul reasoned with him of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. And Felix had no righteousness, and he had no temperance, and he was going to face that judgment to come. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee that the gospel has been brought to us by beautiful feet, and we thank Thee by the regenerating power of the Holy Ghost. Our hearts were made open to it, like the heart of Lydia in the 16th of Acts. We thank Thee, Heavenly Father, for opening our eyes to see, opening our ears to hear, and our minds to understand. Now bless us this day, that we shall rejoice in the apostles Jesus Christ sent forth, and the power of the Holy Ghost in them, bringing all things to their remembrance, giving them understanding of all things, and showing them things yet to come, so that they were the most fit, the most equipped, the most knowledgeable men in the history of the world, without seminary training, with just fishing training on the Sea of Galilee, illiterate, uneducated, you blessed them and made them great, and they turned the world upside down. We thank thee for them. Heavenly Father, we thank thee that in the word of God we have chapters detailing to us the exploits of the mighty men of David. But we thank thee in the book of Acts, we have chapters detailing to us the mighty exploits of the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the latter are greater than the former. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the strength that you gave Samson to carry the gates of Gaza 20 miles uphill from a seacoast city to set them on a hill overlooking that territory between Hebron and Gaza. But Heavenly Father, we find Samson grinding grain in that same city just a few months later with those gates intact and closed once again. But we thank thee that the gates of hell would not prevail against the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ and that those apostles penetrated every city on earth. And we thank thee that Greenville's been penetrated 2,000 years later and we're able to hear the joyful sound that Jesus saves. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank Thee for Thine apostles, and we confess and we admit that in America there are a few pulpits left that will be barking dogs. They're asleep. They're ignorant. They're looking for wine. They're slumbering. They want to party. They want to preach the prosperity gospel. 
rather than warn the world and warn thy people of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Help us this day. Heavenly Father, every blessing we ask upon this church, we pray for at least that much blessing on every church of saints throughout the world that calls upon thy name in sincerity and in truth. We'll take the leftovers here, Heavenly Father, if you will bless your churches in every other place. We thank thee for thy mercy toward us. We thank thee for the King James Bible. We thank thee for the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. We thank thee for brethren of like precious faith to gather with us. We thank thee for this house and the freedom that we are allowed in America to preach the gospel unapologetically, dogmatically, absolutely, without fear of reprisal. But Lord, bless us to go from this place and to be faithful to that gospel and to live it out before men. We thank thee for America. We pray that you'll preserve it. We thank thee for our government. And we pray that you will give them wisdom that in their legislation and their enforcement of it and their interpretation of their laws, that they will favor the cause of your people that dwell in this land. Now be with us and bless everything that we say and do that it will please thee and prosper and accomplish the desired purpose of why we have assembled In Jesus' glorious name we pray. Amen. Amen.